Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben Mackay from the North Melbourne Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host, Dean. Thank you, Ben Mackay. If this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. My name is Dean Vass. You can find me on Twitter at hashtag kangaroos, Instagram hashtag kangaroos podcast, TikTok hashtag kangaroos one. And welcome back to the show after a short exodus where I was in the sunny Gold Coast for the last week and a half with the family. It was a nice. It was nice to get away. But we're back tonight to review our loss to the Geelong Cats over the weekend. I got Frank and Jesse back tonight to go through it all with you. There's plenty to discuss, and we went through it all and more. So strap yourselves in. Uh, it will be a long episode and lots of discussion. So let's not waste any more of your valuable time and bring on Jesse and Frank to the show. Boys, welcome back, Frank and Jesse. It's been a couple of weeks now since we chatted, and we kind of knew it was going to be a tough couple of weeks. And it seems supporters are starting to lose patience now after probably taking a few little steps forward before the bye. Jesse, I'll start with you. You seem fired up. And nine wins in 77 games tells a tale that when we started this rebuild, I think it's fair to say that people thought we'd be closer to the top eight right now, or around the mark. Rather than another season of so far two wins with no guarantees we might not get might not uh, win another game this year, it's starting to wear on supporters now, isn't it, Jesse? Oh, it's it's beyond frustrating at this point. It, this is the first time <clears throat> first time in my life that I've not enjoyed football. Um, I, I've ummed and ahed about it all week, whether or not I just don't watch the next game. It's just it, it's very very difficult. It's just. You know, I feel I feel for any. I think the only ones in recent memory who, who would know what we're going through through are Melbourne supporters. Um, it's it's the absolute bottom of the barrel. Look, in terms of the rebuild, I I put it down to one thing. I don't think our club has had its act together since 2016. I I don't think. Since the we re-signed Brad, he then said we need to rebuild. The board said no, we don't, and he parted ways pretty much. Since we forced three of our legends, including the greatest one of the greatest players that's ever played for our club, out the door, we haven't had a strategy. We haven't had any alignment. Now, this year is probably the first year ever that we've had that alignment in, in terms of having a CEO, a president, who were actually both switched on. Um, having the right people involved at all different levels, albeit I still think there's some gaps in our recruitment and development, but from at least the coaching level, I'm fairly confident with whatever message they would be putting forward. But I'm not actually blaming, you know, we've had a lot of different factors this year with Clarko going out and rats coming in, but I'm actually not blaming the crew who are there right now whatsoever. I'm not giving them any blame. It's not their fault. And I have some faith they'll get us out of this mess, but, We've effectively wasted the last several years. We haven't had a strategy. We've gone through multiple coaches, which has been terrible for player development. And what that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a list that has no no real quality on anyone over the age of 25. It has a bunch of kids underneath who have talent that have gone through Brad, Reese, Noble, Rat, you know, uh, Clarko and you know now a bit of rats. So you've had four or five coaches in there in, in probably four, four or four to five years of 
being at the club. It, 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 there's there's been no strategy on field, no strategy off field, no no semblance of trying to work out how we get out of this. And I think that's where we're at at the moment. We're a victim of of all of that. We don't have we haven't had any of that. And this is the first year we've had it. And our coach was our coach has been gone because of obviously factors outside of our control. So I can understand why, you know, people are at wit's end, why people are frustrated, why people don't want to go to the games because you saw what we put together on the weekend. We, we've, we played two good games at the start of the year, albeit against West Coast and Fremantle who were playing deplorable football at the start of the year. We've played a couple good games since that tick. That's great. But it was the kids leading us. And, on the weekend, our midfield didn't fire, didn't fire a shot. Our backline has been despicable. Our leadership has been poor. And yeah, I, I, I feel for the coaching group who are going to have to try and get us out of this mess because, I mean, ultimately, you know, they're responsible for getting us out of what the previous administrations and, and, and coaching regimes have, have put us into. And, and the fact of the matter is we don't, we don't have enough talent on the list. We have players who are at extremely low confidence and are just not firing. So it, it's a long way out of where we're at, unfortunately. But you've got to start somewhere. And I, this this almost feels like year one of of a of a rebuild. Anyone who thought we were going to be challenging sooner than you know three or four years is 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 you know really kidding themselves. We're a far way back. And I think there was a statistic that came out today that if Steeble, Cunnington, Goldie. Um, and it might have been Chills, it might have been someone else, move on at the end of the year. I think we only have two players on the list who have played 100 games for the club, more than 100 games for the club. That is that's that is crazy. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. So we're in a hole, mate. We're in a hole. Yeah, and I think it, you know, we go back uh, even at the end of 2020, all the players that you wanted to take that next step, we pretty much got rid of them all. Mm. You know, like the Mason Wood, um, there was a number of others we delisted, the Majak Door, I suppose. Um, a few others that we oh, – I mean, there was different circumstances with Majak Doll, obviously, but um, that led to his delisting. But, um, yeah, we sort of – and we had no replacements for him. Um, yeah, we had no players in the mid-20s. Yeah, players like Jared Pollock, who we played big money for, um, just didn't work out uh, for whatever reason. Um, and like you said, it probably goes back to 2016, um, this whole mess where, you know, we, we sort of – we, we got rid of a lot of club legends, Drew Petrie, um, Brent Harvey, to name a couple, Michael Frito and Nick Del Sano as well. And then we, we've kind of had different strategies. You know, we've kept mixing and changing. Um, you know, I think it was that stage where we're pretty close to getting Dustin Martin and Josh Kelly, Kelly that were going to, you know, uh, reboot us and get us back. But uh, that didn't work out. And then we didn't have a strategy after that, um, whether we go rebuild. And in the end, we just... Um, we got all this money. We had all this extra money. We threw money at uh, players like Dom Tyson. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, there's a couple. Aaron Hall. Yeah, a couple others as well. So yeah, it, it hasn't worked out, and that's probably why we're in the predicament where we are. Frank, uh, we've almost been talking for a couple of years now, uh, and we haven't had many win reviews on a Monday or Tuesday, and it's been a lot of this where, like, like uh, Sunday's game, where we have lost it. And, and the game has been over fairly early in the contest. How are you feeling about the rebuild? Do you share uh, a lot of Jesse's thoughts there? Do you, did you think we would be uh, more up the ladder and close to being a finals team now when we started this at the end of 2020? I certainly hoped so, Dean. I mean, uh, that goes without saying. But I, I, I don't have an issue so much with 
uh, the players that we got rid of in, at 2016 because I thought they were pretty close to the end. I think the fact is the players that we brought in and that we drafted have been busts. We really don't have too many left out of that sort of window that you go there. They've gone on to be really, really strong contributors. Uh, and I think that's where we've let ourselves down is uh, trying to replace those guys. We just haven't either we've, we've, we've had bad luck with injuries or they just haven't worked out. But you like you, you know, you mentioned Dom Tyson uh, and a few of those that were really just foot, sol- foot sol- soldiers at best and uh, just really didn't didn't live live up to it. No, unfortunately not. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, nine wins in 77 games. I mean, that's what's that, a win every uh, eight and a half games or something like that, and that's yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty bad um, when you think about it. But uh, we'll move forward. Um, I don't want to uh, get uh, Jesse on another rant just yet. So we'll go to team changes last week because obviously I didn't do a preview. I was away. I, don't, I didn't mind them at the time, Jesse. Uh, Sherry, Lockie Young, Flynn Perez, and Cooper Harvey in for his debut, which we'll talk about later. Uh, we dropped a lot of experience at the time with Goldstein and Zebel as a sub. Uh, Shields was injured, obviously, and Will Phillips omitted. How did you see those changes at the time? Look, I didn't have an issue with the changes. Uh, you've got, I mean, ultimately, you know, I think Clarko said it really well at the start of the year. If you're going to end up getting smashed every week, you might as well just play the kids. And we had to play the kids. We've got kids in the VFL. I mean, Cooper Harvey was performing, and I thought he had a great first game. That was that was that was one of the that was the shining light. He he he. I've always maintained that he is a great mark above his head, and he he showed that. I think it was the second most contested marks of a player on debut, and he's a small forward, so that's great. I, I was really happy with his effort. But in terms of bringing the um, in terms of bringing the kids in, yeah, I, look, I thought it was a po- I, I thought it was definitely a positive. I I think we had to flick the ma- the magnets. I mean, Zebel was obviously going to play as sub and he had to come on a lot earlier. Um, but yeah, effectively brought in Lockie Young for him to give Young a game. Uh, I don't think Young was particularly good. No, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the, the end of it. Um, just because he, he, he didn't have the best game in my opinion, but I mean, know what he did. So, um, but I, look, I didn't like that. I didn't mind the changes and I wouldn't be surprised if again, this week they, they, Flip the magnets around. I think it was a good sign dropping Jack Siebel um, and making him the sub because we need to learn to live without him. And you've the same with Goldie. I didn't think Goldie had been that bad. I thought that was a very interesting one. He definitely had a poor game the week earlier when we subbed him out and left Common Jones. Um, so he wasn't playing outstanding football, uh, but I didn't think he was really bad. So that one surprised me a little bit. But they 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 obviously have a mandate that they want to get games into Tristan Jerry. So look, he he made a couple of mistakes, but it was his first game back in AFL pretty much all year. I mean, the first game doesn't count. So I'm happy to give Tristan a bit of an extended run of it. You know, Goldie's been a champion of the club, but we can't hold on any anymore. I mean, they've got no. You know, there's no trade value to them either. I've got no issue giving some of these guys a farewell game, but if we're fair income, we need to move move ahead. So I liked the changes, like you said. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we start making some other big big calls in terms of dropping some established players um, and bringing in a few more of the kids. Uh, you know, Goda, etc. You know, didn't have they they had good num- uh, numbers statistically. I heard I didn't watch the game, but I heard some of his kicking was wayward, but. 
I, look, I'd love to. I think we've got to give these guys a game. I don't think we have a choice now. No, fair enough. Uh, Frank, uh, I guess the big talking point is Tristan Sherry in for Todd Goldstein. Um, Jesse, could we be seeing the last chapter of this wonderful career with Todd Goldstein, like um, Jesse sort of mentioned there? Well, you'd have to think it, it'd be awfully close. I think the only thing that's probably going to stop it happening, Dean, is maybe if Sherry doesn't um, uh, come on in the second half of the year as strongly as um, as as they hope. But I, I would suggest if he starts to show some some form, uh, that could well be the end uh, for Todd, unless of course they put him on a uh, you know a, a very low paying contract and sort of say to him, look. Uh, you know, you might play half a dozen games next year and he's happy to stay. I'd certainly happy to keep him as, as an emergency, but um, I think his time as a senior co- uh, senior ruckman is probably hanging by a thread. Yeah, I mean, the signs were there last week um, when he got subbed out halfway through the third quarter and we were happy to go with Hugh Greenwood and Callum Conwell-Jones in the yeah. ruck. I, I kind of thought, and then when I seen Tristan Sherry named as a starting ruckman and Goldstein on the bench, I kind of knew he was going to get dropped then. So, yeah, look, um, yeah, like like uh, Jesse's mentioned earlier, I think it's uh, at that point now where we're not winning with these players in. So, what you know, why not uh, give games to other players? And, you know, Lockie Young and Flynn Perez are players that, um, uh, you know, we want to find out about uh, whether they can, whether they're good enough to get a contract in 2024. So, I think, you know, giving them an extended run of, of at least a month to find out uh, if they're good enough to play on um, next year is more than more the way we should be going uh, for the rest of the year, I believe, anyway. Uh, we'll get to the game, Jesse. And I thought we started the game pretty well in the first 10 minutes. I think we were leading 12-8. And then we got killed you know, out of the centre square after that. And we couldn't keep up, um, Jesse, and and put our, and it put our back line under a lot of pressure. How did you see it? Yeah, look, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. We 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 started well. The first few minutes were very positive. Uh, we 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 seemed to come with a decent energy, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, I think the main issue was the clearance numbers. Um, you know, I've got some here. The clearances for the game: Patrick Dangerfield had nine, Atkins seven. Uh, Billy, uh, who else we got here? Holmes four, Stanley three, Duncan three. There's a couple others in here. Our highest was Greenwood with five. And then you've got Luke McDonald had three down back somehow. Um, LDU had three and Simpkin had three and he was subbed off pretty early. So we were absolutely annihilated out of the middle. It, it, it just was – I've not seen our midfield, um, you know, lay over and, and, and die really like like they did. Um you know, clearance numbers weren't a ma- it wasn't a massive increase, but center, center clearances for the game twenty to four. Around the ground, it wasn't terrible. It was forty five to thirty one. We we won the stoppage clearances, but center clearances twenty to four, and that's with the hit out advantage. Albeit that uh, we won the hit outs, but they weren't all to advantage. Obviously, um, it was crazy. And I think that gets highlighted as well by the tackle count. I think uh, as well, we were lower than them on tackles, meaning we weren't chasing hard enough. We weren't applying pressure. They just walked it out of the middle constantly. Uh, like Patrick Dangerfield's a quick player, but some of those other midfielders are not quicker than our midfielders. They're, they're not quick midfielders, but they just walked it out with ease. Um, it put too much pressure on the back line. And it's a back line that once Logue went down, 
he looked okay, but once he went down, you know, who, who's really going to be able to defend? Um, they were under too much pressure from the start, you know, did well to keep Hawkins to three goals because, so, you know, Mackay probably did his job, but their small forwards absolutely annihilated us. I think they, I'm not, you know, I think they got nine or ten goals from, from small or medium forwards. Might have been more. So it was mostly the, that which did the damage. Um, so, yeah, you'd be wanting to see a pretty big turnaround from our midfield this week. Uh, that wasn't an acceptable level. They looked, you know, from the first five, ten minutes after that, they just, they looked absolutely flat. Um, you know, I think we only had two mids really get over 20 disposals and Taron and, and LDU. Maybe Greenwood might have been around the 20 mark as well. But, yeah, look, it, it, it wasn't enough. Um, we need more effort. Yeah, uh, and, and that's what it comes. We didn't get, um, you know, we didn't get repeat stoppages either. It wasn't like, uh, I think Kane Corns, well, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, or like uh, say he's, you know, knows what he's talking about most of the time or a big fan of. Um, but he made a good point. Like he sort of said, they just weren't, uh, we're getting first uh, touches to the ball, but they just weren't desperate enough to lock that ball in. It was just a case of, all right, I'm about to get tackled. I just want to get rid of it and weren't really looking for options. Um, Frank, Wardlaw was laid out. Uh, Simpkin got a concussion, which uh, might mean uh, multiple weeks for him now because generally when you get two concussions uh, within a month, that uh, you should have uh, an extended period of time of two to three weeks. So he could miss there. Uh, Thomas seemed to struggle in the centre square and moved uh, back in the second half. Uh, we had Cherry in for his uh, basically his first game, like Jesse said. Was it just a case of having a completely different group against the mature, strong team in there, and they just couldn't handle it? Well, we hope so, Dean. Uh, you know, I really got the impression watching it uh, that, particularly in the first half, that we went down there almost as a group, knowing that we weren't going to win, uh, and it was just about minimising the damage. Um, so whether they looked flat, whether the midfield was too strong, touching on what Jesse said, it wasn't for me. It wasn't just the amount of centre breaks. It was the way they cleared the centre, uh, yeah. did it under almost no pressure. Uh, you know, you can handle mongrel kicks forward and that, but a lot of those um, uh, clearances in the first half were lace out, hits into the forward 50. Um, so, uh, look, I'm, I'm hoping that it was maybe just – a mountain that was too big to climb for that fairly inexperienced midfield. Um, but the sign, the signs weren't good. Uh, that that's for sure. But um, yeah, hopefully that we can show a little bit more effort uh, this, this week. Cause if we were to serve up the same this week, then I think the alarm bells would really start ringing. Yeah. I mean, we've got Hawthorne this week who, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a fairly inexperienced midfield compared to Geelong. So yep. yeah, you'd hope for a little bit of bounce back. We're hoping we can get George Wardlaw back uh, this week as well, which would make a difference. Maybe Tom Powell as well. I'm not too sure where he's and, at. And, Will, and obviously Will Phillips had a strong game too. Um, so he'd be in consideration. So that, that might um, give us a, a little bit, uh, you know, a different sort of setup. No, definitely. Um, yeah, 100%. Uh, all right, let's talk about the back line and our captain, Luke McDonald. Now, it was an up-and-down game, to say the least. 25 touches, 539 metres gained, five intercepts, but nine turnovers, which hurts. I mean, the back line was under immense pressure all game, and he did do some good things, like what... Uh, like I've uh, mentioned, but he hasn't had a great month, uh, Jesse, and people are calling for him to be dropped. We've seen 
Port dropped Tom Jones in the last couple of weeks. And GWS have dropped Steve Cornelio. I think it might have been last year or the year before. Should he be dropped, Jesse, on current form? Yep. Yeah. No, he shouldn't yeah. be. And I, I, I was I was defending him for a lot longer than some people were on, on social media. Uh, yeah, I would I would drop him. I, I'm not convinced that he's in a great state at the moment, probably physically and, and mentally. Uh, I don't think he's taken on the... I think he's having some challenges with where we're at and being able to captain this side through it. Um, his game has taken a massive hit this year. Uh, I don't think he's playing at the level that he has in the past. And... Yeah, it, it's just it's been a massive drop off. Like you said, with those turnovers, every time he got the ball, yeah, it was it was meters gain because he was bombing it long, yeah. and it was just just and it wasn't just him. I don't want to just pick on him. All of the defenders grabbed the ball and they just torped it as long as, as and far away as they could so they could try and get us a few seconds before they had to deal with it again. But ultimately, you know, if you're going to do that, then you're just you're just creating the the problem. It's it's just going to come back around to you. Uh, you need to do it. It's if you're not going to be proactive with the situation, then you're just going to make it more negative and reactive. So, yeah, look, I would, um, but if you do that, then well, if you do that, then really Z will probably needs to be in the team because you need some semblance of of leadership in the team. Because I think our what our vices and Mackay and and uh, and Larky. I think the other two in the leadership group, if I'm not wrong. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Unless you're just going to chuck Larky the challenge and say, "Hey, mate, you're the one playing consistently. Well, lead the team." I mean, we don't have another. We don't really have a choice. But yeah, look, I, I would drop him. Um, that sounds. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. But um, yeah, some of his efforts worried me. He looks panicked with ball in hand for mine. Um, he got caught. He's been caught a couple times over the last few weeks, and he's just made some really really odd errors that aren't necessarily, you know, not necessarily what things that he would usually do. And defensively, he's been, you know, poorer. Uh, his pressure acts aren't great. He's, yeah, his, turn his turnovers, like you said, aren't are pretty poor. I think he's only going at, I think it was 68% disposal efficiency. I think I was reading after the game or 69% or something. But I think, well, kicking efficiency was much lower than that. So, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I at this stage would rather give Coder or Bergman a game, um, but you know how much leadership can you drop, even if it's not, you know, uh, the leadership that you'd be ideally wanting. Yeah, I mean, I listened to the Jaden Stevenson uh, podcast, and he had Luke McDonald on. Uh, he, he sort of said he, he obviously values his leadership um, off the field. He says he's a genuine bloke, and he you know, says what he thinks. And yeah, you know, um, so I'm not too sure outside of the field, maybe he does do some good leadership things, but on the field form at the moment and he does look like a player that he's trying very hard maybe too hard uh he doesn't seem very relaxed frank what do you think about his recent form should he play this weekend um i'm with jesse uh, but the other angle and i mentioned this on one of the social media posts is rather than drop him maybe move him up onto a wing where he doesn't have to be so defensively minded and he's still got that element of of attack uh, one thing's for sure, that role as a small defender uh, or, or marking a small forward 
has just gone past him at the moment, whether it's confidence, uh, whether it's age. I don't know what it is, but he's really, really struggling in that role in the back six. He's got three years to run on a contract. He's, what, 27 or something. They're not going to get rid of him. Um, no. I would look to maybe try and throw him onto a wing and and maybe get his confidence back by getting um getting the ball in his hands and letting him run forward. But if they don't think he can play that role, then I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be disappointed if he was dropped. If they were thinking that uh, it's either back six or it's it's nothing. Yeah, I think this week he'll play against Hawthorne, but this is, you know, I mean, because it's Hawthorne. You know, we're, we're a chance this week, so they'll probably give him another chance. Um, but if, if if you serve up another, you know, poor performance, and we serve up another poor performance, um, then, yeah, he could be in a bit of trouble So yep. after that. But, um, yeah, look, at the moment, yeah, he's, um, yeah, I, I mean, we don't mean to pick on him, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mean, at the moment, he's he's leader of a football club, so you know he, he's the the face um, of, of it all at the moment. So, and right now, we're really struggling for leadership at the moment because not many yep. players on the field look like they're showing much. Um, Jesse, now we've also lost Griffin Lay for twelve months uh, with an ACL, which is just another bit of blow. Um, does Dawson come in now and get his chance finally? Yeah, look, I think I messaged you guys on the weekend when we were kind of discussing what do we do now, but more in the long term. He has to play. Surely he has to play. He Look, he's kicking isn't going to set the world on fire, but defensively, I heard, you know, some people say, oh, he made a couple of mistakes on the weekend. Yeah, no, I didn't watch the VFL game, or at least I didn't watch the second half of it. I watched... I've watched most other VFL games this year because, you know, I need some semblance of watching North win a game. And he, he's he been really solid. What was the point, and I've said this before, what was the point of using the our number two mid-season draft to bring him in over an elite kicking halfbacker, which we don't have, or a number of other players who are getting regular AFL games? What was the point of him bring, of bringing him in? if he wasn't going to play or you weren't going to give him a chance. Maybe maybe there's some things they want him to improve on, and, and that makes sense, but you've just wasted the pick then. Get him in, get him to play. He has, There's no choice now because the situation that we've got is Logue's out for 12 months. So best case, we see him middle of next year. So there's half a year that we have to make up with not having him. Mackay, let's be honest, it, He's going to leave. Uh, the only reason he wouldn't leave is because we're not going to get a good pick for him and then we we keep him or force him to stay, which you don't really want to go down that path. So then we're going to need defenders next year anyway because uh, unless uh, in, unless you're going to have um, core co- cover the number one forward for the opposition and then some smalls, like there is no other strategy. There's, there is no other choice. I know we've spoken about Com- uh, Charlie Comden, and I, I, you know, I think a few of us have been pretty vocal on giving that a shot. But I mean, his heart's going to be in that as well. Um, then we don't really have a choice. Like we can go and try and find another defender, but I can't see a way until Logue is back. We're not going to go recruit, uh, recruit two ready-made, the number one and number two key, you know, key defenders over the off season we might bring in a kid we might we might get ma- magically lucky and bring in a real experienced defender somewhere somehow 
but you're not going to get two of those. So regardless of that, you're going to need a able body to play second or third main tall next year and then work and, and then you need someone to play the main the main tall defender. So I can't see a way in at the moment with what we have on our list that he that he can't play at least some games next year. So I'd be staggered if he doesn't play this week. Um, if he doesn't play this week, then he, he he might as well just he might as well just pack his bags now. There's no point doing a postseason review or anything because if I was him, I'd just pack my bags and go to a, a country club that's going to pay twice as much as North Fairfield is. What would be the point? Because Look, it was a warning sign earlier this year when we went up against Carlton and he didn't get a go and we brought in Bonner. Um, yeah. And that, so obviously they weren't happy with him, but we don't have a choice now. You, you've got to give him a go. Yeah, and I think we mentioned uh, before that, um, you know, we, we, we gave, you know, Lockie Young and Flynn Perez a go because we want to see what they've got. We want to get, uh, see what Dawson's got as well. Um, so you might as well get him in. Uh, if that's at the expense of Jack Zebel. Then I think it's time that you know I'd, I'd rather see what uh, Dawson's got, and you can keep Jake Zebel for a sub this week as well if you want to do that. Uh, Frank, with this injury to Griffin Lake, does this make us want to keep Mackay now? I, I know Jesse's mentioned that it probably looks likely that he's going to leave, but um, but we don't have many options, and his best football was played when Lowe wasn't there last year. Eleven intercept possessions on the weekend. I actually thought he played really well. Oh, the question, Dean, is not whether we, we want to keep him. It's whether he wants to stay. Um, but, yeah, a happy and comfortable, um, competitive uh, Ben McKay. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd want to – I'd love him to turn around and say, look, you know what, I'm going to dig my heels in and I'm, I'm going to stick around. I just can't help but think that his heart's not in it at the moment. Um, but if I could wave a magic wand, Dean, and tap him on the shoulder and, and tell him – uh, mate, stick around because uh, if you do, there's get successes around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. I'd keep him. But I think it's going to be convincing him to to want to stay. Even if we match the bid, that doesn't mean he – I'm highly unlikely that he walks uh, into the preseason draft. But if he's really, really unhappy, then he's got a number of different options to, to get out of the club. Yeah, unfortunately, the way we're playing, I can't see anyone convincing him to stay unless, you know, we can win four on the run home. I mean, we can. and I think that's advantage. We can match a bid. Like, let's say Essendon offering 600000 for four years. We, we can match that, and then we can uh, yeah. force him to a trade. And we'll say, give us your first-round pick. Otherwise, yeah, we, we'll keep him. Um, I think that's the advantage we do have. So, well, well yeah. look, yeah, I mean, we went through this with Tristan Sherry a couple of years ago yeah, at St right. Kilda. Um, so, yeah, I'm all uh, if if the if the club is prepared to do it and match the bid and, and um, say you've got a trade. Well, if you, the, the issue that we've got then is that he says, well, I'm not going to sign your contract. Uh, I'll, I'll walk to the to the draft, but that's probably not going to benefit him either. No. Um, but saying that, if, if the compensation pick is pick 25 or 6 by the time you throw in academy picks and and stuff like that, then I'd be more than happy for the club to match it and, and uh, roll the dice and say to Essendon or Port or whoever it is, no, you've got to do better than that. Otherwise, 
he stays or he can roll the dice in the preseason draft. I, I think adding on to that as well, the other option we've got is, and I believe Brisbane and Essendon did this over the Danaher deal, is if it looks like, we can obviously ask the AFL if he goes at what's being reported, what's the compensation going to be. Though, let's be honest, they're not going to want to give us something mighty for a priority pick because we're north, we're not the Gold Coast. So they'll let us know because they've got to try and help us in ways that don't look as terrible in front of the rest of the league. So we can ask them. We can go to Essendon and say, look, either you up your money offer or we or we match what you've offered at the moment. Because I believe that's what they did with Danaher. I don't believe the Lions wanted to pay as much as they did. And then Essendon said, well, if you don't, we're going to match it. So they paid a little bit more. They got him without any drama. And then Essendon got a first-round draft pick. So I, I think we go down that path. I wouldn't – if Ralphie was saying about the 600K, I'm not losing him for 600K in the second-round pick. That's speculative at best. I, I, I need a pick three. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. I find it staggering. There was rumours going around last week that we wouldn't, um, Jesse, that we wouldn't match uh, anything, you know, uh, we wouldn't match anything. Like, we'll just let him walk, even if it is a second-round pick. Surely that's not the case. If that was the case, then we might as well pack up all our bags. Then we might as well fold the club. That would be... (laughs) Look, we've we've been criticised for mismanagement of trades before. Uh, Brady Rawlings and the team, and we're not going to pick on him individually. There's always been a crew there, um, but we've been mis- we've mismanaged some trades. I think we can all admit that there's some trades we could have wheeled and dealed better. That's that is what it is. If we didn't match this, then it would show no semblance of strategy or any thought of of, of strategy or, or or any skills in the area of of dealing or list management, because. It, that would just make no sense whatsoever. Jeez, if we got anything less than a second rounder, it would be beyond embarrassing. I'd I'd be at the club protesting. It, it would be yeah. it'd be too much for me. But uh, surely, even with a second, like, you've got to get a first rounder. Otherwise, you've got to retain his services because, like I said before, we're not going to have any key defenders next year. We might as well not even rock up. It, it, it will be brutal. It will be brutal football next year if we don't have at least one established key defender. And Claw's not a key defender. So, yeah. They're, they're, look, you've got to have faith in Clarko and, and the current current crew that they know what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, look, hopefully they've got some form of strategy out of this. Yeah, I mean, we'll, like, and Adam Tomlinson would be, you know, a good fit for us for the next two or three years. Yeah, uh, I think he's, I think he's starved of opportunity at Melbourne, to be honest with you. He's got a lot of options. Even Joel Hamling yep. from uh, Freeman, I think he's a good option too. Um, he's not getting opportunities because they've got a, a million options as well. Uh, from Logue, so but that's another discussion anyway for the end of the year. Uh, Frank, uh, I want to see Lockie Young and Perez get more opportunities for the rest of the season. Uh, I don't want to see him drop now. Jesse and probably even you agree that they weren't fantastic over the weekend, but they had their moments and should at least keep their spot for this week, surely. Well, uh, Dean, I, I think I've said this before. Sometimes I give our back line a pass simply because of how the ball was coming in. And on the weekend, I think it didn't matter who you were playing across our half back line, uh, the way that ball was coming out of the middle and the ease that it was being done, um, I, I think they'd have an argument to say, you know, we deserve uh, another crack when the ball actually isn't coming down at after every centre bounce. Um, saying that, 
I'd like to see Goda uh, get a chance. Whether they he can be um, squeezed in, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I agree, Dean. I, I think that the pretty much the entire back line uh, could get a reprieve. Well, if I was the back line, I'd be saying, well, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, don't win a centre clearance for a half uh, and play down back and see how you go. Yeah, I mean, the back line in previous weeks have, have copped their uh, whack as well from David King and Lee Montagna um, yep. for, yeah, for putting in some substandard performances. So maybe it's a midfield's turn this week. So who, who knows? Um, but, um, yeah, look, it's a fair point there, Frank, though. That, uh, and, like I think you mentioned before, it's just the way they got the ball out of the clearances too that made it very tough for the yep. defenders. So, and, yeah, it was fair enough I give them a pass this week. But uh, I expect a better... Um, showing from midfield this week, which might help out um, the, the back line. Uh, Jesse, we'll go to the midfield now. Now, LDU was our best with 28 touches, two goals and eight tackles. What hurts, though, is zero clearances from 25 CBAs. Um, I mean, if you get seven clearances, and you're talking about a 35 possession best on ground game. Mm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I actually thought he looked okay in the first quarter. Uh, yeah, he didn't yeah. have uh, set amounts of attendance uh, clearances, but I actually thought he looked. I thought he had a solid game. Look, he he scored goals, which is great. That's a, that's what we were asking him to do. He got a lot of disposals. I actually think he had a really solid game, and he had a great first quarter. It was weird that he wasn't winning it out of the middle, but I just think it was the whole midfield. It it it, it just was not working. Um, period. It just it wasn't happening. So. Yeah, look, it, it, it didn't work, um, but we know the quality of player he is and it's great to have him back. So, you know, he I think even by his own standards, he would have liked to have, have done a bit more. But look, at the end of the day, he had eight tackles. So that shows that he's actually trying, that he cares, had you know 21 pressure acts. He kicked two goals, which is something, as I said, that we've been screaming out for him to do. His disposal efficiency wasn't, you know, wasn't bad. So, yeah, look, it was just – I'm not going to criticise him because of that one aspect. And I'm not going to criticise him about that missed jump in the air as well. Like, so many different factors could have been part of that. You're not going to expect him to run back like Jonathan Brown taking a mark backwards, let's be honest. And I, I thought that had got overhyped a little bit about that particular – that one effort in terms of jumping to take a mark. Uh, he, he may not have even had – Clear eyes on the ball. Who knows? So I'm not going to criticise his game. I thought he he was solid. Yeah, no, I think he learned from that because he did uh, take a good mark in the back line. He did, a yeah. couple minutes later, where he, you know, uh, a ball was driven in there, and he and he stood, you know, uh, in a dangerous spot and took a good uh, strong mark. I mean, no, no one, no one uh, went over the top or anything, but still, you don't know what's coming from behind you in that situation. So, yeah, he learnt, um, and yeah, I mean, there could have been different factors. Maybe the wind was a bit swirly and it sort of uh, dropped in a, you know, a, a spot that you weren't expecting. But um, yeah, that, and that's fair enough to give him a pass mark for that, and it was overblown. As as well. Uh, Frank, now, we struggled mightily in the first half, and Zerha played in the middle in the second half. He had 17 possessions in the second half uh, playing midfield, seven, seven score involvements. I mean, should we be playing him in there more based on those stats? Uh, I don't know whether he can, Dean. That would be my yeah. question, is whether he's got the tank to do it anymore. Um, maybe um, don't wait until we're in the position that we were in to throw him in there. You know, maybe start him there for five minutes and then give him bursts in there. He certainly knows how to find the ball. I think the opposition notice when he's in the centre square. Um, 
But, yeah, my question would be, has he got the tank to play any more uh, than what he did in the middle? Yeah, no, and that's a fair and that's a fair point. I mean, he did have twenty five possessions for the game, and yeah, we'll, yeah. I mean, it, I think because we're getting smashed so badly in that first half, he sort of went in there to toughen up the midfield. We just didn't have that big body, so mm. yeah. And, and like you said, I think he's probably just not fit enough um, to play a full game. Uh, Jesse, I thought Lazaro did enough to get another game. Fifteen touches, ten tackles, six scoring involvements, the second most for the for the team behind Zerha and LDU. Uh, 33 pressure acts. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he deserves another week? I was hoping you would give me Lazaro, mate. Yeah, I, I, I was thrilled with his game. Um, yeah, look, he only had the 15 disposals. It was mostly handball. So, you know, it was only 100 metres gain and whatnot. But like you said, 33 pressure acts and had 10 tackles. That shows someone who was actually giving a shit that's what it really shows. It shows someone who he was, I mean, he was the late in. I mean, they, they probably had no idea that Ward Law was going to be out, but you know, he came in and he tried and that's all you want to see. I mean, he's a 21 year old kid. He doesn't weigh a whole lot. He's not a big boy, obviously 10 tackles, 33 pressure acts. That's, that's all we want to see our players doing. We've been criticising our players, especially the midfielders, because they don't lay enough tackles and they're not applying enough pressure, generally. He ticked both of those boxes. Um, his role was a little bit interesting. I think it was almost 50-50 in terms of back half, forward half. Um, so he kind of rotated around the ground a bit. Um, I don't know if he had uh, how many CBAs he had, if, if any at all, or if he was just rotating off the wings, etc. cetera. But I don't, I don't have that stat in front of me. But I... Um, he had two goal assists as well. So two goal assists is, is a good number. Six score involvements. It wasn't high disposal, but it was efficient disposal. It was clean. It led to something. I mean, two goal assists and six when we scored, you know, stuff all is, is pretty impressive. But as I said, at the end of the day, he applied pressure. He tackled. That's a fantastic sight. That's what I wanted to see. I was really happy for him to be out there. Um, because what he does get, what we've talk, spoke about is we've got a lot of different players who can play a lot of positions. What we don't necessarily have is Shields is going to be gone either this year or next year. We have Bailey Scott who's playing solid football on one wing. We still need to find out who that other winger is. There's this open spot there. What we've also got is, you know, Scott isn't a defensive mid. He, I mean, a defensive winger. He's an attacking winger. He gets the ball. He runs with the ball. He scores. I think he's had a good year. So you, we need someone to maybe play a bit of a more defensive winger role. And we've said in the past, you know, maybe he could become a tagger, Lazaro. If he can tackle, if he can apply pressure, if he can, you know, maybe bulk up a little bit, but maintain some of the pace and that he's got. He obviously seems very fit. Um he definitely has improved on his tank. And I think he always had a bit of a tank. Um, so maybe that could be something that he could move into, a bit more of a defensive wing role, uh, rotating off the other wing. Um, I, look, I, I, if he gets dropped this week, I'd be extremely disappointed. You can't be dropping a player after they tackle and, and apply that much pressure. Uh, he has to play for mine. Give him a role, tell him this is going to be your – and this is what we should do with all the kids – who we plan on wanting to see how they play, tell them we are going to give you this role or maybe maybe two roles. We're going to try you out if we're not sure, but we're going to give you a job, a role, and we want to see how you perform for the rest of the year and give them a, give them a chance because we don't, you know, we're about to go over some more list overturn 
we might as well give these kids kids a crack. Uh, so yeah, I, look, I, I was really happy that Lazaro got a game. I, I, I thought he had a solid game. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of when Brady Rawlings started to come through uh, in the system. Um, you know, gets a, gets the best out of himself. You know, really puts in the effort each week. And I think he could be, you know, a player that could play on a wing and occasionally be used as a tagger as well against the opposition's best midfield, like if Brady Rawlings was. You know, he, he had a lot of big jobs on jobs on Chris Judd and so forth. Uh, probably didn't do that uh, legally half the time, but um, it doesn't matter. You know, like I think he could be that type of player. Uh, that we see in the future. Um, we'll move forward. Uh, Frank, Taron Thomas, I think, should play half-back as a rebounding defender. Attended 10 CBAs in the first half and looked to struggle a little. But with Wardlaw, Phillips, Greenwood, Simpkin, Powell, I, I don't know if there's any room for Yeah, I don't know if there's yeah any room for him there um, when we are healthy. And he just seemed to give us good drive and class in that back half. Do you think he should play midfield? Look, I think as a necessity when we need him in there or to try something different, yep. But I, I wouldn't have any issue at all of trying to get him to play um, that halfback sort of, uh, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, that sort of quarterback role because uh, he does use the ball really, really well. And he's he's the, a kind of guy that even from halfback can open up a game uh, with one kick into the corridor um, and really give us a, a different sort of feel going forward. So, uh, yeah, I, I, if you're going to not play him in the middle, I'd rather him at half back than half forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I, he just looked uh, better behind the ball, uh, especially in the second half. I think he could be that player that we're screaming out for, that rebound and defender that will give us metres uh, through his run, yep. run and carry and be dangerous. Uh, create, well, he's got um, well, well, Dean. He's got the run and carry. He's got that ability, but he's also a very, very good kick and user of yeah. the footy. So he can he could carry it 15, 20 meters, kick it sixty uh, from half back. That puts you inside our forward fifty. Um, so without just bombing it. So uh, I'd love to see him play the role, provided he, he you know he he can do the defensive side of it, and we think he can. Um, yeah, I think uh, I'd prefer him at half back. Yeah, I mean, we had Aaron Hall play that for a couple of years, and he had, uh, it didn't have much defensive side, and he's got a bit better defensive game than him. He does, you know, he does tackle hard and and so forth when he is in the midfield, and I think he's got that defensive side. Uh, he's got enough defensive side to yep. you know, be good enough in the back half, but uh, yeah, he, he's a top player that can transition from the back half to the forward half quite quickly. So yeah, I'd like to see him stay in that back line for the rest of the year. Uh, Jesse, we'll go to the forward line, and they were starved of opportunities. Uh, Seventy in. Side 50s to 39, and I think Geelong had 33 of the first 40 halfway through the second quarter. But one player, CCJ, hasn't kicked a goal for over a month now. He's taken four marks in his last three games. I know it's a tough gig, but this kid is on big money as well, and he's got to start impacting the more, doesn't he? Oh, 100%. Look, I thought he, he had a few games that were pretty impressive when he first came into the side. And it was, you know, we spoke about it. It was an immediate boost over what Charlie was offering. However, he's had a really poor month. He's not a very, he's not, look, he's he's not going to be, ever be the quickest player, but he looks extremely slow. With, with our pace of ball movement, our transition ability, he just looks completely at sea. If we were a much quicker team, we're a much cleaner team, I reckon he would thrive. He needs to learn and battle because you're right. He's on that big coin. He needs to learn how to operate in a side like ours. He 
He's not at a Richmond where they transition the ball generally pretty well and they're able to get the ball up there pretty quickly. He he needs to, you know, have a really good look at himself. Have a look at what Larky does, the body of work that Larky does to make himself dangerous in our team, which is still a miracle. Um, he, he, but he needs to really take a look at himself. But he, there's almost a little bit of comfort, like, like he's comfortable, like he knows that we're not going to, you know, drop him because what other options we got? You know, Comden's obviously, obviously injured for, you know, at least a, a bit longer. Um, unless we go Goldie and Tristan Jerry again, which please don't. Um, so he almost looks comfortable. Like he, he, you know, thinks we don't have any other options. But you know what? Go smaller forward line if we have to. My look, my only hesitation with that is I think that Larky has probably played some of his best football for the year since Calm Coleman Jones has been in the side. Now maybe that's because they're actually dedicating a bigger defender and they have to put a bigger defender on CCJ. Maybe that's the case. So I don't want to do anything like go all small and then poor Larky ends up getting double teamed like he did for most of last year. Um, I want to allow Larky to, you know, really thrive and have the best year possible. Um, so it's, it's a hard one. It'd be lovely if we had some, at least one other tall forward on our list who, who, who was a, you know, who was in form or able to play a game because then we'd actually have some, we'd have actually have some options at the moment. We really don't. It's kind of just continue to play him and hope for the best. Yeah, and I think that's what it comes down to. We're just, uh, yeah, we've got to go with him because we really don't have anyone else in the reserves that can really, that is a straight swap um, at the moment. Frank, there seems to be a real lack of synergy between backs and forwards at the moment. I mean, once it gets uh, to our back half, it's, uh, it won't leave there and there's not enough players given a contest up the field to at least bring the ball to ground. <coughs> Sorry, uh, who do we blame? I mean, it seems to be a blame uh, of... Both to me, um, the backs delivering the ball terribly and the forwards seem to be uh, playing from behind far too often as well. Yeah, probably a bit of both, Steve, where, um, where I think, uh, obviously, the ball coming out of half-back, we've already touched on that uh, tonight. I think it, it's just a hit and hope. Uh, there's really no system, particularly when we're under pressure. When it's, the game's played on our terms, we're a little bit cleaner. But as on Sunday, when it was coming down and it, we were getting pressurised, uh, we just blaze away and hope for the best. And t- going back to Coleman Jones, that's where, I mean, I, I, I cop him having 10 disposals. I just think he needs to take contested marks. That's where a guy like that can take a mark on the wing and relieve the pressure and, and, and help us set up. But at the moment, he's not marking. It hits the ground and he basically his arms fall off. And before you know it, the ball's back in our defensive 50. So I, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, but um, I think they – I wouldn't blame one on top of the other. I think there's just a real sort of um, lack of confidence from the back half going, you know, transitioning into the corridor. Yeah, and I think and I think that's what it is. Um, yeah, th- there is a lack of synergy at the moment. And, yeah, it's just uh, – it's something that we've got to work on because, at the, you know, we've seen it on the weekend, especially in that first half – where we get the ball and um, it'll be a lot of long bombs down the line hoping and, yeah, it would be a one-on-three contest half the time. So and, we've got to be better at that. Go on. And just and just touching on that, Dean, I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we're prepared to play that extra behind the ball. But I think if you do that, it's got to be someone really creative. 
uh, that if you've got the spare, doesn't just bomb it there uh, or, or go for a two-on-one spoil. It's got to be yeah. someone that hurts the opposition when they get it and move it forward. At the moment, if it's Lukey Mack or it's Aiden Core, it, it, I don't think the opposition worry too much if they're the spare and they get the ball because it, neither of them are going to take two or three running bounces and hit Larky on the chest. So sometimes I wonder about whether we're playing the right person as a loose. Yeah, and that's probably a fair point too. Yeah, I mean, we don't have many of the... Um, you know, of those types of players that uh, are really good, loose defensive players. I don't think Aiden Paul is very good at it. Uh, he seems to be just um, stay in space where it's not dangerous and, and we probably don't have many others, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but we'll go to more of a positive, Jesse. Uh, Cooper Harvey, we mentioned him earlier. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, as good as debut as we could have hoped. I think he's, um, you know, he's second in the most contested marks on debut uh, behind James Podziadli. He was a mature body back then as well. He's in his uh, 29 when I think he debuted or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, this is about as good as it gets, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, it, it was the one shining light from the game, the Cooper Harvey debut game. Um, <laughs> there's not much we could take out of the game, mate, but that was yeah. that was it. Look, that... That uh, I mean, that first kick he had wasn't great, but that uh, that bomb, uh, that long kick, he absolutely flushed that. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, yeah, look, his contested marking was great, which is something we've always said. He's not that you know traditional, rapid, um, small forward who's going to apply a massive amount of pressure. Um, but generally, what he is is good above his head. He can score. He's dangerous. He gets into the right position. So yeah, look, I thought he was really, really solid. Um, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do for the rest of the year. I, I actually think he was, you know, we got him in a bit of a steal. Um, you know, the fact that he was injured a fair bit leading up to, uh, leading up to the draft. I mean, and, and his draft year with a broken arm and stuff like that. I think really worked in our favour. Otherwise, we might have had to have taken him a bit earlier. But you know, I. I remember reading maybe a year and a half out from him being drafted that they thought he was going to go first round or potentially um, or potentially drift, but be early second. So, yeah, look, absolutely stoked to have him out there. It was the one shining light. It was the only reason in the end I didn't turn off the TV, to be honest. Yeah, yeah no, 100%. Uh, Frank, I was at uh, Brent Harvey's debut game uh, in 1996, and I felt old watching him, um, but he showed a lot, didn't he? I was there too, Dean. Um, just as a just as a, a matter of trivia, um, uh, yes, yeah. Well, I guess we're at that age, Dean. Uh, that uh, you know, seeing uh, put it this way, I wanted to uh, name my youngest boy Jackson because Glenn Archer's boy had just been born at the time, and I knew that I couldn't call him uh, Glenn or Craig or Anthony or Wayne because. The other half would have gone, I know who that is. You're naming him after a player. So I thought I'd get smart, Dean, and name him, try to get his name as Jackson, thinking, well, we might have a father-son in, in 20 years. And, uh, and lo and behold, he's out there playing already. So, Dean, I'm, I completely agree. You certainly think back and go, geez, it doesn't seem that long ago that uh, their dads were running around. But uh, there you go. Time flies. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, you, know, you know, you know, Jackson Archer and uh, you know uh, Cooper Harvey can have uh, yeah successful careers like those boys did. Um, that's what we're certainly hoping for because they've gone into a completely a different setup to them when those boys came in. I think Glenn Archer came in the early nineties, didn't he? When we were struggling. Well, 
Remind you, yeah, correct, Dean. Remind you for anyone that wasn't around at the end of 92, the start of 93, that was a pretty, pretty dark period for the footy club. Uh, and I think, uh, uh, well, Glenn Archer would have been around because he debuted. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's a little bit of synergy there with Jackson. Yeah, well, let's, let's certainly hope so. So hopefully next year, 2024 and beyond, um, yeah, we can start having success uh, as long as we've got, uh, yeah, a Wayne Carey coming through this <laughs> year. That'll be, that'll be good. Uh, now, I won't talk too much more about the forward line because I think it's a system that he's letting us down right now. But we'll get to the reserves now and talk about them. Six in a row, Jesse, and looking finals bound. Uh, you getting excited for them? Mate, we've got to get excited about something. Absolutely, <laughs> I am. I'll be at the finals. Don't you worry. Um, yeah, look, the the boys really, really pulling together. Geelong, um, Geelong challenged us at times in the t- first half, towards the end of the second half, um, at, at first half, etc. And then we just ran away with it. Um, We've been really, really solid. I think the best thing about our VFL side is they haven't just been rolling over some of the teams down the bottom, which is, uh, given the how the VFL functions, is, is pretty easy to do. I mean, you've got one club that hasn't won a game and two clubs that have won two. So it's pretty easy to kind of roll roll over people. But, you know, we, we played uh, Geelong, who, who aren't half bad. We played... Um, I think we had a win against the top eight side the other week. We had the Seagulls, who uh, Wormstown are a decent football team. Um, really good for an independent club. Um, we've been playing some good football. We're really exciting to watch. I think, yeah, we're in that little top bracket at the moment. Um, what do we, won 10 games for the year and decent percentage. And Yeah, it's really exciting. Mm. Um, it'll be nice to... Nice to actually see some finals again. Um, I, I guess the good part with that as well is we've got a few players, you know, a Wardlaw or someone who played a few games who will probably be eligible come finals as well. I mean, you may not want to risk him, but might be a good experience for him. So I'm not sure how the VFL final rules now. I think you have to have played at least four games or five games or something. So there's probably a few of the VFL uh, or the, the lads getting a go in the AFL at the moment who could go back and play and really bolster us. But um yeah, look, we've we've been really great. It's it's you know goal kicking. You know we, we actually put on a score. Our defensive efforts look good. Our midfield looks solid. Um, yeah, not a lot of complaints when it comes to comes to the seconds. That's for sure. They they'd almost beat our firsts at the moment. They um, yeah they they're looking really really solid. And there's some interesting you know things happening. You've got Bergman who kicked two goals on the weekend, and I watched a little bit of it. And it seemed so that he played you know a slightly different role, looked a little higher up the ground for mine, almost wing um, at times. So that was an interesting one. Um, yeah. Yeah, it looks really, really good. Obviously, you've got Robert Hansen as well, who who's, um, looks like a midfield pick who, who actually knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, so that's a, that's a massive tick. Uh, so look, yeah, look, I, I wish we could bring in some of the, you know, a, a few of the players in there. Um, yeah, 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 it'd be, if our midfield wasn't so stacked, it'd be nice to get, you know, you would be able to consistently play a few players, but um Look, you've got some, you know, I think it's work. The fact that they're winning as well is, is working a few players into form. You've got, you know, Curtis Taylor had a really solid game on the weekend. You know, Goda had 20-plus disposals. So, you've yeah, there's some solid players. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, Frank, we have Archer, we've talked about, uh, Goda, Bergman, Phillips on the weekend. Uh, these are good young kids, and it gives us hope for the future, doesn't it, seeing these guys you know, dominate FIFA level. It certainly does, Dean. My only fear is I hope we just don't have a list of really good VFL-capable footballers. Yeah. Uh, that's the fear sometimes. Uh, but saying that, there are some young kids there that are playing well, and I think it's important that there's a, a winning vibe around the club in some regard. So um, happy that they're winning. Um, I, I would just... Within time and when they're ready, I like you. I'd like to see the Archers and the Goders and the Bergmans start to cement their spot in the seniors and start to put a lot more pressure on uh, the guys there. Um, but yeah, uh, they've been fantastic. They've done what they've had to do. The guys that have been dropped have gone back and performed. I mean, that's that's all you can ask. No, definitely. Now, Jesse, you mentioned Robert Hanson, four goals mm. as well on the weekend. Could he be in line for a debut this weekend? Oh, look, I watched him. He was very impressive. I, I thought about it. The only thing is they may go, you know, we want to get a couple more weeks in our system. But, I mean, really, uh, what's he kicked? He's played four games for us. He's kicked one goal, 10 disposals, one goal, 12 disposals, one behind 10 disposals, four goals, one, nine disposals. He said four, two, two, three tackles. So that's a tick because anything more than zero in our team would be great. Um <laughs> Yeah, look, he's got pace. He's he, he generally pretty accurate with the ball. Um, he he may get a he may get a go in. It's just who are you going to drop for him is probably the only question. Um, but oh, look, he'll definitely play a game before the end of the year. Absolutely, will play a game before the end of the year. Um, whether or not it's this week or the week after, I think he will definitely definitely get a game. Um, they may even roll him out when we go over to and play. West Coast and Perth, given he's a he's a Perth lad, isn't he? So um, that'd be nice for him. His family wouldn't have to travel too far. But look, I hit you. Yeah, I was really impressed. I'd like to see him probably have one more game and perform at the level that he performed um, on the weekend. Just get a few goals. Uh, you know, we really made Cooper Harvey earn it. But yeah, it'll be look. It'll be interesting to see. Um, he he definitely looks exciting, which is which is a positive. We haven't had a lot of excitement about mid-season draft picks before. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> it's been a bit of a flop for us at the moment. But uh, yeah, look, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, he might uh, he might have to wait a bit longer. Uh, Frank, we had Curtis Taylor with twenty-five touches, Phillips with thirty, Josh Gator twenty-three with four intercepts intercept marks in the last quarter. Callum Dawson might get an opportunity with eight marks and eighteen touches now with Griffin Logout long term. Uh, any players you've seen could uh, get an opportunity this week? Uh, well, I, I think they probably would be reluctant to make too many changes. I think you probably have um, uh, Wardlaw, uh, Phillips, uh, and maybe, uh, well, one of the, you know, either Goder or Dawson to come in. Uh, I think it, it, it may be just the force changes uh, rather than any omissions, um, simply because, look, you could make an argument that you could drop six of the seniors and, and bring in six of the reserves players, but I've got a feeling it'll be two uh, or maybe three. Mm, yeah, like, and you've got Tom Powell as well. Is he, I don't know, is he still alive? Um, yeah, I, yeah I think I read today they said a few more weeks for Powley. Uh, I don't oh, know, yeah. yeah, he's not quite right yet. Still injured. 
Oh, well, there he goes. No, he won't be back this week. Uh, now, one more before I go, boys. Jake Edwards, uh, two touches again, hardly sighted. If we get to finals, uh, Jesse, do you think he should get a game? I mean, we have, we might have Eddie Ford, Cooper Harvey, Sam Lawson, Robert Hanson, Tyler Sellers, who shouldn't get dropped, Drew Phoenix Spicer, as some of the forwards. I know I haven't mentioned any key forwards there, but these players are better options than Edwards, and I can't fit him in uh, if all those players play. What, what about you? What do you think? Well, even Callum Coleman-Jones can... I think he played enough VFL games to be eligible to, to go back and play that potentially. Yeah, look, I, I can't see him playing. Uh, you know, I've got, to, I've got I've just pulled up his stats, and his highest disposal count for the year was nine. Uh, he's had two seven four four nine six three four three five seven five two. He's kicked one two goals. two goals, yeah, for the year. He's he's laid a couple of tackles, which is a miracle. He had look on the weekend. He had eight hitouts, which is his equal highest for the year. I don't I don't know what's going on with him, to be honest. Look, I understand he's still young. <clears throat> I understand he's still young, but. Like I said, I, I, yeah, I, I'm friends with people who have watched who watched him as a kid in that year before he got drafted play, and they said, you know, he could be, you know, better than the Coning brothers. He looked really good at school level, and I just don't know if he's not training hard enough, if he is not fit, if he is just not prepared to be an AFL footballer. You never see much of him on. You know, social media or him, the other guys. I, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on, but you know, I've said a few times I'd, I'd give him a crack down back and just try and get the ball in his hands, um, or try and try and get him involved because at the moment he's, he's, he's way off. He's, he's, he's the worst player in the team consistently. And you've got blokes rolling. You've got your VFL list, but then you've got top up players rolling in every so often. Um, you've got players who he he wouldn't be getting a game for for a country football team at the moment. He, he he's playing terrible football. Uh, he'd be playing pretty low grades. Uh, that's how far off the mark he unfortunately is. Um, yeah, look, assuming we allow you know our main list AFL players who are eligible to play VFL, I can't see him playing um, finals. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with him post this year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they get rid of him. At the same time, I'd love if he somehow turned it around. But, yeah, geez, he's just shown nothing. Yeah, Frank, uh, what do you think? I mean, come finals time, uh, Jesse was obviously very strong with his opinion there. And I don't think many people would disagree with him, uh, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, what do you think? Uh, do, do you think he should be playing um, at finals football? I mean, we've got Ben Bath as well, who's shown a bit as a you know a, a bit of a key forward. Um, we've got that guy from Richmond who's just come in. I think it's uh, Walker who's not getting a game. I think it's um, – yeah, I, I can't remember his name now. Um, it's a bit of space for me. Uh, there is options there that are better than him. Um, yeah, where do you sit with him? Oh, I completely agree with Jesse. Yeah, I, I've watched him pretty closely as well. He's just a mile off the pace, absolute mile off the pace. Um, so uh, I, I'm surprised he's still getting a game, much less if we're, we're going to make the final. So – um, I think he's uh, pretty much his ship sailed, and I, I'd be shocked if he was still there um, next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, drop him uh, if we do end up making finals. 
Yeah, and you don't know what it is. I mean, he was highly touted. I mean, anyone would have taken him number one based on what people were saying in that uh, mid-season draft. Um, they were saying at the end of the season he would have been a top-ten pick anyway. So, he, yeah, I mean, from what all reports, uh, the club did the right thing in drafting. But for some whatever reason, whether, it's obviously got to be psychological um, that, he, that he can't perform um, mm. at the moment. So, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, anyways, we've been talking a long time. Uh, Jesse, did you want to add anything else before I let you go? Uh, no, mate. I'm just going to roll with the punches and, and yeah, we'll try and try and conjure the effort to uh, to watch us first, the Hawks, mate. Yeah, no, no you got to stick with it. Uh, we're stuck this long. Uh, it's going to turn around one Can't give up. It's like that really bad movie. You, you know, you're halfway through it. You think, <laughs> I can't watch any more of this. God, I, hope, I hope we're only halfway through it. <laughs> no, no, look, you can only get up from here. We will we'll, we'll be back. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Frank, what about yourself? Anything else before I let you go? No, mate, nothing. Uh, just pretty much the same. Uh, turn up on Sunday and uh, cross my fingers and toes and, and hope that uh, we can put in a better effort than, than last week. And, um, yeah, let's see what's happened. No. So thank you very much to Frank and Jesse for coming on the show. A bit of a fired up Jesse tonight. Um, so it was good to see. Uh, had to let it out, I suppose. Uh, that's it for today's show. Once again, thanks to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, retweets, and comments you all put out for the show. It's much appreciated. I couldn't do this podcast without your support. So if you can leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform you use as well, that would be awesome. I'll be back to, on tomorrow night as well to preview a game coming up against the Hawks this week. Uh, probably our best opportunity to win a game for a while. So a big game, and I'll have a review for of that tomorrow night. So today I will leave a shout out to Sean Barry at Shawnee KB on Twitter. Bye for now and go Ruse.